As members of the Global Farmer Network, we believe agriculture is part of the solution, not part of the problem. We are committed to developing agricultural leaders and sharing their stories across the globe. We have one purpose, to amplify the farmer's voice. My voice. Mi voz. La mia voce. My voice. Welcome to Global Farmer Voices, a podcast by the Global Farmer Network, where we invite farmers from around the world to share their stories and perspectives. I'm Delaney Howell, host for this podcast series. Today, we'll hear from Andrew Oz Osmond, a farmer in the United Kingdom who grows a variety of crops, including malting barley for the production of beer and whiskey. Andrew's early years on his family's farm, as well as his background in agronomy, have given him a unique perspective as a farmer. I've been in farming all my life and raised on a farm, and we farmed in the UK primarily. So we farmed just outside a city called Winchester, which is in the south of England. And it's a family farm, family business, and on both sides of the of my, uh, my wife, Sarah, she's farming as well, and I'm farming the other side. So but we're all farming together. So the farm is Moorcourt Farm, and it's about, in old money, it's a 1,000 acres. In new, it's 400 hectares. And in the UK now, there's a lot of uh, farming, contract farming. So we farm another 400 hectares for a near neighbour, um, which works out really well. He He's a landowner, so, you know, we, we do... Uh, commercial crops there so very much family-based farm but we do do some contracting some uh, contract farming as well and we also farm in a neighboring county called Dorset Winchester's based in Hampshire go a bit further southwest and there's a beautiful county called Dorset and we've, we've got some land there as well on the home farm we are primarily seed growers so we have specialized we've tried to add value to what we do by growing for seed and seed crops. So we would grow grass for seed, which is quite a small crop in the UK. I know in Oregon, it's a mecca of all grass seeds um, and New Zealand as well. But we, we, we grow grass for seed and they're predominantly diploid varieties. So they're forage varieties for, for hay, haylage, silage, that, that, that type of crop. Uh, but other farmers do grow uh, sports immunity and things like that but we we find that 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 type of grass seed is good and then we grow wheat and barley for some of the uh some of the bigger companies like uh, cargill um frontier they're known as frontier in this country but cargill worldwide and also syngenta we're growing seed that goes on to other farmers to multiply up that then go on to be multiplied for commercial use so we've kind of specialized in that on the on the other farms, on the contract farms, we we try and keep it simple and go grow commercial crops that suit our climate and suit our soils. And so they would mainly be around wheat and barley. They would be our, our and malting barley being the big one there, not feed. Uh, wheat would be primarily feed wheat, not milling or bread wheat. And also our, our main break crop, although it has big problems with uh, weeds and disease and pests in particular is uh, oilseed rape, which is uh, canola, known as canola worldwide. So, and we, we, 
we're looking to grow more crops, especially protein crops. Protein crops are more leg legumous crops, which um, soil health. You know, it's a big it's the big thing in the UK at the moment is um, soil health and how we promote that with all the biology. And I'm trying to understand more in the soil and and legumes would be a big part of that in that they potentially produce some you know nitrogen fixing um, if they if they're grown for long enough. Andrew's particularly notable crop, as we mentioned, is malting barley, which is used to produce beer and whiskey. The maritime climate and chalky, low-nitrogen soils in Andrew's region of England are well-suited to growing malting barley. Many people know that there's a lot of science that goes into making beer and whiskey, but might not realize the scientific legwork that producers are doing as well as a part of this process like measuring nitrogen levels in the soil and protein levels in the grain. There's a lot to manage before it even begins to be turned into some of our favorite drinks. But the malting barley situation is very much how much nitrogen or protein is in the grain. And so depending on the growing season and how you've grown it will then dictate it's slightly out of our hands as rain-fed agriculture is you know well our factory hasn't got a roof and it's very difficult to really control what's going on but the different levels of of nitrogen in in barley is very much dependent on the season you're having and on the amount of nitrogen you apply and if you've got if you then add in legume, leguminous crops you know crops that produce nitrogen you're then in a potentially a situation where you don't quite know how much nitrogen is available and that you know so it's it's something that we want to do we want to grow more protein crops for the protein and for animal feeds let alone the soil health but then with something like malting barley because it's so sensitive with its protein levels you know if you've got a lot of background nitrogen in the soil you don't know when that's going to be available you don't know really when that's going to be taken up and it's quite weather dependent. So the um, hitting those crucial protein contents is, is tricky. Clearly, there are a lot of factors impacting crops and farming that can't be controlled. Andrew is already doing soil and plant testing to monitor protein and nitrogen levels. However, he's certainly looking forward to the ongoing improvements in Precision Ag to help with this process. You know, precision farming is, is here isn't it? And it's only, and data, the amount of data that we're going to collect is just going to go off the charts. Um, I mean, I've spoken to Rob Sake about this, who's just, who's, who's brilliant and just all over sort of future farming, you know, in quantum computing lands, it's just going to be, I mean, I don't understand it, but it's the amount of data that we're going to be able to process is going to become extraordinary um, as long as it's good data in, good data out. But so when it comes to testing, yes, we will we will increase our testing of the soils. Um, we're, we're at some we're at quite good levels already because we we do map the fields and we do soil tests quite regularly. So we've got an idea, and our soil type being chalky is quite it's not too variable. So that helps massively. But yeah, the more the more testing you can do of the soil, the more testing of the plants. There's some very good uh, diagnostic equipment available now to test the nitrogen that's actually in the plant 
as well, um, the better. And that, that's going to, because it's it's so crucial to hit the quality specs. You know, we're, we're being asked by our customers, the, the brewers and the maltsters, to hit certain bands of protein in the grain. And, you know, we're in, we're in rain-fed agriculture and it, it rains when it wants to. And it might not be at the right time. And if it does rain and then nitrogen is then suddenly available to the plant and it woof, takes it all up in a massive rush. You know, we're very much producers, aren't we, as farmers? And um, I think some farmers don't necessarily like that. And the fact that you lose control of your product, you don't know what you're going to get paid, etc. So if you can actually keep hold of it, that primary, malting barley, and then turn it into malt and then brew your own beer as well then that and then sell it which a lot of which some farmers are doing it's direct access to market and it's got a great story it's just it's just a great story and you can trace it back you know to the farm to the field you know your beer came from lower higher middle paddock or whatever <laughs> you know and it's just a good story isn't it not only is growing the barley a detailed and precise process but the proper storage of the harvested grain is just as critical. You can't harvest it and forget. You know, you have to harvest that crop and you have to treat it like it's still alive. It sounds a bit weird to say that, but you have to, because, because it kind of is still alive, because you, the germination, germination is critical in, as well in malting barley. If you, like we've been, the harvest we've had, where you get these really wet, then warm, wet, warm. You can get what's called pre-germ in field. So the, 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 the grain thinks it's time to grow again. And you've, got to, you've, got to, you've just got to stop that. And you can, you can do that. So germination is critical. And we're, we're talking of very high levels of germination required for malting barley in the UK, of you know, 96 98% germination. So 100 grains, you know, and you think, hang on a minute. I'm buying seed at 85%. How can this be? But it, that's the sort of technical spec that they're, they're hitting. So, and so the, the harvesting and storage conditioning of, of malting barley is, is so important. You know, you've got to get that down to, ideally for long-term storage, it's got to be 14% moisture. And we've been harvesting grains this harvest at 20% plus. I mean, it's going to sound to some people like, what are you doing harvesting water? But we have to, otherwise the germination will go. The quality, for every day after that grain is fit in the field, you are losing yield, you are losing quality. So you have to get it in. You have to get it down to 14% moisture and you have to get it down under 10 degrees centigrade if, if you possibly can, as soon as you can. Very difficult this time of year, but... Winter and spring barley, identified by the time of year the crop is grown, amongst other things, are favored for different types of brews, depending on the variety and the nitrogen and protein levels of the grain. Spring barley is most popular overall. When the barley is ready to be sold, it goes to whiskey distillers and beer companies. So we're currently growing three or four varieties. Um, Laureate. Planet was a very popular, that was like RGT Planet was a worldwide, worldwide spring barley. Uh, but we, we're growing Laureate and Signet and Tennyson, uh, which seem to be very similar, similar barleys to each other. So it's, um, that's the, 
that's what we do on farm. So we grow these we grow these crops and predominantly spring barley, as I said now, um, because that also hits the lager market. Lager is the more popular global beer, isn't it? You know, the the Buds, the Millers, the, you know, um, to the Stellas and Stellars and that. So, uh, and they generally, they have that higher nitrogen. They've got that, they've got a specification where they want to be 165N to 1.8N. The protein measurements in barley for malting are different because barley for malt is different. It's just a little market almost all on its own, whereas the measurement for proteins in wheat would be would be different. So, so the higher higher protein nitrogen content spring barley's are for lager, and if you want a traditional ale or craft beer, I mean the states massive. Wow, what, what the states have done with craft beers is just brilliant. Um, they would be the lower nitrogen, so the one point five and one point six level nitrogen and the really big success story is a winter a winter malting barley called maris otter which is from the 1950s and 60s i think but there's a little niche market for it and i know malt gets exported to the states because of it because it's maris maris otter barley it's that name and it's just it's that story it just creates, you know, a wonderful story. And I'm sure the hops that go into it are fuggles or something like that. They're cool. It'll, they'll be special. But it just, so that that's a big little niche, little niche um, success story there with Maris Otter. A local merchant in the UK have got the rights to that variety. And so they very much keep that to themselves. And they've got their own maltings as well, which is a traditional floor malt where everything is turned by hand. Nightmare. But anyway, that's all part of the story. (laughs) What a fun conversation. It's amazing just how many different types of farmers there are and how each play such a unique role in our food, fiber, fuel, and in this case, beverage industries. If you're interested in learning more about the Global Farmer Network's mission and its members, seeing some of the things the organization is doing, and finding out how you can get involved, please visit globalfarmernetwork.org. And if you'd like to support the Global Farmer Network through a donation, you can do so at globalfarmernetwork.org forward slash donate. If you've enjoyed today's podcast episode, be sure to subscribe and follow Global Farmer Network on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and YouTube. Until next time, I'm Delaney Howell, and this has been the Global Farmer Voices podcast.